Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with JR Charles. He's the Community Development Director for the city of Malden, South Carolina. JR, welcome to the show. Hey, Dane. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor and a pleasure. I'm glad that we're able to finally get together and do this. You've had some health issues, but we had some technical yeah. challenges. Uh, everything okay <laughs> with you now? Everything's good. I just had some sinus problems, and uh, my voice sounded like I ate a bag of gravel for breakfast. But uh, finally got the uh, antibiotics and the steroids. I'm feeling much better. Good to hear. Yeah. So you're brand new in this position there in uh, Malden, South Carolina. How long have you been there? Uh, this is the start of my third week. So we're at the 25th of July recording this. So yeah, this is my start of my third week. Well, congratulations on that. And thank you. Um, you're originally from Georgia. That's right. Yes. Uh, so, born and bred. Okay. And um, so how did you, how'd you get into economic development? Yeah, like everybody else in this world, just kind of fell into it, right? Right. <laughs> it's like it's the way. Um, no, I graduated from University of Georgia with a degree in journalism. And uh, my my goal was to do political reporting that eventually would lead to uh, a news anchor position. I wanted to be, you know, Tom Brokaw or Walter Cronkite right. or something like that. Uh, but the year I graduated from UGA was the same year that YouTube, Twitter, Facebook all went live and I could kind of see the writing on the wall from like a, a future media landscape. So moved home uh, to send out resumes. I still wanted to try to see if I could break into to, to, uh, broadcast news. But uh, while I was looking, the Chamber of Commerce president who had known me since I was a little kid said, hey, I need help uh, here at the chamber. I need you to help me do all the social media stuff and I need you to help me do print documents and project management. So just come work for the chamber and, and see if you like it. And that's how I got into it. Okay, so you were doing social media, you're doing marketing at the chamber. Did that role expand or how did, you know, that's, that's still a step away from economic development. Right. It's dipping the toe in the water. Absolutely. Right. So what ended up happening is uh, there's a city of Douglas, Coffee County, Georgia. Okay. Um, we, uh, I got in, involved and started doing the basics, bare bones. My job role was actually small business uh, administration. So I was charged with doing all of the entrepreneurial support stuff. So I had a committee and we were trying to do some programming. But what ended up happening is um, this was right when the recession was hitting. This is 2000, yes, yeah, 2008, okay. right before things got bad. Um, the poultry processing plant in Douglas, uh, it was announced that they were going to shutter it. And that's, that was like 2,000 jobs. Um, and so the president of the chamber said, I've got to go deal with this poultry processing plant issue. You have everything else. Just here you go. Here's all the leadership. Here's all the fundraising. Here's everything. Go take care of it. And so I got into leadership development, got into uh, project management. There's some prospects that came uh, that I had to, to coordinate up. And so that's how I got into it. But it all started with the uh, poultry processing plant. And that's a, 
two years of the chamber president having to fly out to go to court. And it was a city owned asset in, in Georgia. Oh. It's weird. So you have to have bonds on property to have, you know, these investments uh, that are, that are getting tax incentives. And so because of city owned property, the contention on their side was, well, the city owned property, we should be able to do what we want to do with it. So they were fighting that in court. Right. Uh, but ended up happening is that uh, the poultry processing uh, facility uh, reopened under new management. It was Pilgrim's Pride and Pilgrim's Pride got bought out by JBS. And so ended up, they ended up working out an incentive deal where they kept the facility opened and um, all those jobs are preserved. And they're actually uh, now expanding onto it. I heard a, a, a recent time they expanded onto it. So anyway, that's how I got into it. And so gotcha. uh, being involved in Georgia Economic Developers Association, learning uh, from peers what uh, economic development truly was not just the chamber side, but the project management side. I said, oh, I think I'll dip my finger into this. So, uh, there was a development authority just South of Atlanta, uh, that said they need an executive director. And so I jumped whole out into it. And that's how I got into the economic development, the true blue economic development side of things. So if, you know, somebody's young and they're maybe in that position that you were in at the chamber of commerce, they're, you know, they're dipping their toe into economic development, project management, what advice do you have for them? Man, explore. Uh, I mean, there's so many different aspects of economic development. You know, back, oh, I say back in my day, because it's only been, uh, <laughs> you know, 15, 13 years ago. Uh, but, you know, traditionally, and in, in, in this is maybe only true in Georgia, but I suspect it's probably true across the country. Uh, economic development was all about doing industrial development. You know, back in the, in the 40s and 50s, we're coming out of, you know, post-war America, and a lot of development authorities, they were trying to um, uh, industrialize uh, the South, especially uh, as people were moving back. A lot of people started moving to the South. And so you had a, a great awakening in, in the economy. Uh, and so that created a lot of demand for industrial growth. And so a lot of development authorities, particularly Georgia, but probably across, again, the Southeast, were trying to urbanize and, and modernize and industrialize as fast as they could. Well, then you get into the 90s and economy start to diversify, right? We have, we have the, 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 the industrialization that has already occurred in the South. And, uh, now you start to get in tourism development. Oh, we can start doing some, some good, um, you know, some, some, uh, parks and recreation, or we can start doing, um, uh, incentivizing six flags to come into town, or we can start attracting the Olympics to come to Atlanta or, or things like that. And so that's an evolution of the economy there where economic development had to shift into tourism development. Well, now you start getting tourism development. I mean, small business has to take advantage of all those people coming through. So now you get small business support, small business development. And so all these are all different aspects of economic development that evolved out of that industrialization, right? You get your bedrock of industrial, then you start adding onto that pyramid, this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, get your basic needs met. Now start doing the fun stuff. And so for a young person getting into it, I would say just know that it's a very diverse field. It's, it, it's not just industrial development. You also got um, downtown development, you can get into doing historic preservation, you do a small business development, you can get into the nuts and bolts of financing. If you have a financing background, uh, you get a tourism development. If you want to get into an area that really wants to try to capture more people coming into the area, look at tourism, but you can explore all that through your professional associations in your state. So I would say get involved in, in economic developers associations, wherever you can, um, talking to leaders. Uh, and just seeing what they do and see if it has aspects. You never know when someone may say, hey, I've got a, a job opening up for a, a, a project manager for industrial development. I'll go do that for a few years and learn that piece of it. And 
Then maybe a chamber of commerce says, hey, we got something that's going to do tourism enhancement. We got a contract with the city to do tourism marketing. Oh, let's go try that out for a second. So I would say that's probably the best thing for a young person to do is just get involved, ask questions, find uh, workshops you get involved in and see what appeals to you. Because you may not like industrial development, maybe a little too dirty or, or a little too uh, niche and nuanced, but you may love doing the tourism aspect of things and getting to build something that's exciting that's going to bring new people to town. That's excellent. Excellent advice. So when you join a regional association or a state association, what's the best way to really take advantage of it? Yeah, they, I'll, well, I'll speak for GEDA, for Georgia okay. God Developers Association. They have committees. So if you get involved in a committee, uh, whether that's a you know professional development committee, great way to get involved and find out how you can go to do um, you know these IEDC, International Economic Development Council. They have classes. And so a lot of um, the associations have um, grants and scholarships that will let you go and take advantage of. So getting into that committee uh, opens that door to do that professional development. Or you may, uh, if you're young, young professionals association, you'll make friends that will join you for life and they'll be career buddies along the way, getting involved in that. And plus it's a lot of fun. You go to breweries and you go to different, you know, um, uh, well, fun activities, let's put it that way. Uh, but anyway, doing those committees, getting on the, um, uh, annual event committee, the spring conference committee, you start learning who the players are, different guest speakers, and you start to see how the programs developed. And then you can say and pick and choose, hey, I want to get involved in this education workshop that I saw um, uh, pop up for my spring conference. And so I'm going to learn more about that piece of it. So I think that the, the, the professional associations have much more than just mix and mingle. It's right. about finding people who can mentor you. Some of my best friends, I mean, they are truly friends. I can call up tomorrow and say, hey, listen, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got somebody who's like got a real problem with the program we're doing. What's the best advice you got for getting off of me? Or, hey, I got a, I got to put together some budget stuff. Do you guys have any spreadsheets that I can just pop into my presentation? Um, but then some people are what well, we call, so, uh, are some of these, uh, we call them, you call them regional groups, but they're just, uh, you know, a uh, few folks who get together. Uh, we call them professional, um, not professional, we call them uh, counseling sessions, um, uh, grip and gripe sessions. Sure. Where you, where you get together with your friends and just say, man, just had a rough day. I need to talk it out. And they'll listen there and they'll have a shoulder for you to cry on. But really, they're there to kind of give advice and, and you kind of grow along with them. So networking. Uh, I don't know if you are a fan of the HBO show Veep. Did you ever watch Veep? Oh, yes. On? Uh -huh. The best line is you got to network to get work. And right. that's the best thing you can do in those circles. There's the network to get work. Right. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people um, maybe join these associations, but don't take advantage of them because they feel like they're not experienced enough. They feel like they're brand new to the profession and they don't necessarily know, you know, how to plug in. But what you're saying is even if they're inexperienced, the best thing for them to do is to, to plug in as much as possible and oh, just yeah. try to take advantage of everything that's there. Yeah. It's like a gym membership, right? Right. Got to right. use it. Got to use it. We've been talking about Georgia. You're now in South mm -hmm. Carolina. How right. different, you've only been there, you know, three weeks, but how different <laughs> is it in South Carolina? Yeah. Well, legally, it's a lot different. Um, I mean, every state is different, but like in Georgia, there's a law, it's called the gratuity clause. And what it basically says is that no public money will go to a private institution. Okay. And that has historical roots in the Yazoo Land Corporation. And not to bore anybody, but if you're, if you're a history buff, uh, the Yazoo Land Corporation was hired by the state of Georgia 
to go and explore west all the way to Mississippi. And public money was given this land corporation and was intended to do is expand the borders of Georgia. What ended up happening, long story short, is Alabama, Mississippi got created out of it. So you can thank the SEC rivalry, uh, turning all the way back to this Yazoo land thing. There's, there's more detail involved in it. But basically what came out of it is the state of Georgia passed a law that said, all right, we've had enough of this Alabama, Mississippi stuff. No more public money goes to private institutions. Well, to get around that in the 1940s and 50s, again, when development authorities were first created, was that these development authorities were able to enter into those uh, private arrangements. They could develop land. They could enter into contracts. They could buy and sell property and assets without having to go through the procurement uh, route that um, uh, all cities and counties have to go through. And so in Georgia, if you want to do a deal for incentives, you have to go through a development authority. Well, not in South Carolina. I've lost many a project in South Carolina where I learned that the city or the county essentially bought a building for the prospect and gave it to them. You know, you can't do that in Georgia, but South Carolina is perfectly fine. So I'm learning that, uh, you know, when we're doing deals, everything, I got to take my development authority hat off Georgia say, oh, I can do handshake deals with companies. That's, that's not a problem in South Carolina. Uh, so that's the biggest learning curve on that side of it. Uh, I'm sure there are a million other nuanced things that I have to just kind of get into. Um, but that's the biggest thing for me is I no longer have one arm time behind my back having to go and think about well, how am I going to go do public meetings for a development authority and do these tax incentives through a bonding process. I don't have to do that anymore. Oh, that's I can see the advantage of that. And I, I'd imagine that's a that's easier to work with. Mm-hmm. So. Tell us a little bit about Malden. So Malden, South Carolina, it's a suburb of Greenville, South Carolina, um, which has its own Renaissance history, right? Um, that's, a, that's a story for another day. But uh, essentially, uh, Malden was a crossroads community. There's a Main Street, which is a off branch of um, what, uh, what, what I've uh, been calling the bypass uh, in, in, in South Carolina and Malden. They only call it 385. It's just that everything's a number here for a road. But Coming from Atlanta, you know, you have um, you have uh, the, the perimeter. If you're in Atlanta or if you're in Athens, it's the loop. Or if you have other uh, cities, they all call it the bypass or something like that, but not South Carolina. So anyway, Malden is south of, 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 of that. It's kind of nestled in between Interstate 85 and the 385 bypass. And so it has this crossroads community where you have to get anywhere in South Greenville. You have to go through Malden. And so Malden uh, originally started off that way. It was a crossroads community. There was a, a the Carolina Railroad um, goes through the middle of it, goes north and south. And so for a long time, it was just a freight destination. They come and offload on the um, on the depot, and then keep on going to Greenville and offload on there, and then keep on going to Asheville. And it was kind of just a stop along the way in the road. But then, like I say, when Greenville had its renaissance, really starting in the um, late nineties. Um, and people started to realize what a good place Greenville was after all the uh, assets were placed down there, like the Peace Center and uh, the baseball field and things like that. Uh, people started to come into Greenville County, and Malden was one of the areas. It was, like I say, a suburb. And so it went from a small community of like maybe 3,000 people. Now there's about, I think, twenty five or 30,000 people that now call Malden home inside the city limits. So it's a sizable community. Um, it was, at one point, the headquarters locations for Bilo. Uh, which is a grocery store that was a pretty big, hefty uh, um, uh, footprint in uh, in the Carolinas that originally uh, or eventually got bought out by uh, Winn-Dixie, which is based mm-hmm. in Florida. Uh, but there are other large employers here. Uh, Sour Brands, um, 
Duke's mayonnaise. Sour makes Duke's mayonnaise for all the tried and true Southerners who believe that Duke's mayonnaise is the one and only mayonnaise that you should put it on a sandwich. Um, BASF, um, chemical plastic processing is in the Southern side of there. So there are some good industrial anchors that, uh, have been in the, in the city, but what it's trying to do now is to create a walkable, livable downtown type of development right off of its, uh, crossroads. Uh, and what we're trying to do is create essentially a city center. That's what we're calling it city center. And so the city is partnering with a couple of developers to create a uh, townhome, multi-use, multi-commercial development um, that is uh, uh, eventually, hopefully, will build out into like a nice destination center. We also have going up on, uh, again, the 385 bypass, as I call it, there's a development uh, that is by Hughes Investments that's called uh, Bridgeway. And Bridgeway is going to be another one of those walkable, livable, you know, commercial on bottom, resident, or, uh, residential on top type of developments that uh, uh, will hopefully, oh, no, not, not hopefully, it is coming, uh, will be finished out by the end of 2023. Uh, so anyway, we're basically seeing these multi-use uh, developments that are all starting to pop up in Malden because people are learning that Greenville is a great place to live, but they don't necessarily want to live in downtown or they don't want to live so far outside of, of in Greenville County. Uh, so they're coming to Malden on the south side. And that lets them to get quick access to jump on the interstate to go down to Columbia and to Charleston. And that just lends uh, Malden to be a good place where they can drive into Greenville and go to work, but come back out and uh, have that nice suburban lifestyle. Uh, Malden school system, actually, uh, Greenville County has what uh, are essentially clusters, right, of schools. And so the Malden cluster is one of the better school systems in South Carolina. So a lot of people come in to take advantage of that as well. So we're seeing a really good clip growing pace. It's uh, it's exciting to be a part of it right now. We're at this crossroads of development and seeing it evolve as a, uh, as Greenville County grows. Interesting. So how does that work when you, when you build a city center, what's there currently and what's being replaced or is, I'm assuming it's not brand new land. It's not Greenfield. How does that work when you develop a city center like that? Yeah, yeah. So this is part of uh, what's called an MSIP in South Carolina. And basically it's a multi-jurisdictional industrial district is what it's called. Okay. Um, the city hall sits on it. Fire station sits on it. Uh, the cultural arts center sits on it. And so that's on the southern, if you imagine a rectangle, basically. The southern piece of that rectangle has all those assets down there. And so that's what the beginning. That was the city functions uh, from there um, on that side of it. As you go north, uh, there are uh, a, a public works yard on the top end, the north end of this rectangle. And so that was also, again, part of the city um, uh, pieces of it. And so that public works has been relocated down south to the southern side of the city. And so you're left here with this. Uh, with this um, uh, developed piece of property. And so the city basically offered this up and said, we want somebody to come in and do a development on our old public works yard. We'll sell it for a reasonable rate and uh, we'll help you in the development. Get you going. And so we have a developer, uh, uh, Parker Development, uh, based in Greenville, that came and said, we'll do it. And so their plan is to do uh, townhome brownstone developments on the north side of this rectangle. And then down below it, to the south side of it, they'll have the um, multi-use commercial type of development. But it is a public-private partnership where the city is selling their 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 land. We have a Brownsfield uh, Brownfields uh, grant that we're going to help do some mitigation pieces of it. And Parker will go in and take down the property, develop it, and um, we'll create those assets in there. 
And then from there, it's a matter of partnering with the, um, uh, let's call them out parcels um, uh, from that side that are all kind of outside of this, this core development and just doing a general uh, overtime acquisition and assignment to developers to come in and take them down and add their piece to it. So you may have what would have been a, um, a, a gas station who would come in and uh, help do an acquisition piece where the developer takes it down. We'll do a, a Brownfields grant to help do the study of it. And then from there, um, there will be uh, additional support given. If they, the city's willing to play in that side of it, so there may be incentives that come along with it. And we're just doing that public um, that public works, that public infrastructure piece of support in mm -hmm. future development. But the idea is to create essentially a, uh, a, a, a 30-acre development that's all master-planned, walkable, livable. Um, you go down from your apartment that's on the top floor down to do your, your Starbucks shopping and, and, and drinking. You go to your doctor on the corner, you go back up and go back into your, in your thing and you create this nice little walkable area. So that's the grand vision. That's why we're trying to approach it. And so was that the thing that brought you there? Is that why, is that why you came to the city? Is that why you left? And, you know? uh, no. So, uh, so in Georgia, kind of getting back into the Georgia piece of it, um, uh, after I kind of got started economic development from there, and I know we're swinging all over the place. Sure, of but, course. Uh, yeah, so I, I I I left the job that I took in South Atlanta. Uh, my my then girlfriend, now wife, said I want to move somewhere a little bit nicer, so let's move up there. So we moved to um, the mountains, uh, Habersham County, uh, which touches South Carolina, which is why I have all these stories about losing projects in South Carolina. But when I moved to Habersham County, I developed an industrial park from the ground up, and that was a learning curve because you have to. You know, you got to master plan your grading. You got to get the water and sewer and gas infrastructure. Um, uh, and so that was an exciting time. We, what, we, what we actually did was do that industrial park in partnership with the airport. And so all the dirt we took off of the industrial park was put on the airport property to create a parallel taxiway. So we got to do a little bit of stuff with the FAA and the airport authority. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And then from there, went to Oconee County, Georgia which is a suburb uh, outside of, of Athens, Georgia. Um, go dogs, my alma mater. And uh, that was fun. My wife and I uh, had our first child there and uh, we did a lot of retail development. Um, I worked with a developer to try to get Costco over there and we just couldn't get across the finish line, come to a term that Costco would agree with, uh, which eventually they finally did come around to years after I left. And then from there went to Carroll County, Georgia, uh, which is west of Atlantis, the last county before you get to Alabama on I-20. And did some really good work there. Did uh, about $150 million worth of development in three years out there. And so uh, there was a leadership change at the Carroll County Chamber of Commerce. And uh, my wife and I said, well, we're not from here. Uh, we're not from Carroll County. So where do we want to go? Uh, so we had somebody who approached us about buying our house. We took advantage of the high equity market that we all have in our homes these days. And we said, where do we want to go? Where do we want to go? And uh, my wife's from South Carolina. She's from Newberry, South Carolina. And so we wanted to get our kids back over to their grandparents. And so we said, well, I we just moved to Greenville. I just moved to Greenville and we'll, we'll buy a house and we'll put up sticks and we'll just, we'll just see what happens. And so I, I moved to, um, to, to Malden, or not to Malden, to Greenville, unincorporated Greenville County, our family did, uh, with no job prospect. Just moved. We had, I know, right? <laughs> right. Everybody just thinks like, oh, that's just something you do. But I guess that's kind of the millennial story. You go to the place that you want to live at. You just find the job that you can you can find. And I was fortunate that um, uh, we moved in November 
And uh, that's when the Omicron wave was was kind of going on. So we kept our, our kid out of uh, daycare and out of school, let them do stuff online. And uh, we couldn't find a daycare to put our uh, infant son, and now toddler son, until February. Oh my. And so I just stayed home and just said, hey, look, I'll watch the kid. That saves us $1,000 a month in daycare costs. Um, and I'll do the honey-do list. I'll fix up the house. We get all that stuff taken care of. And so I've, uh, we finally got our kid in the daycare, and it was really time to find a job. And um, I had heard that the previous uh, community development director at Malden um, had, had resigned and left and uh, went to take on other pursuits. And so I immediately started asking questions like, hey, tell me about this Malden place. Tell me about what, what they're going on there. Oh, they're doing a city center development. Oh, they're doing bridgeway development. They're doing some great stuff. So I threw my application in. And it took from about uh, uh, April when I put when they finally opened the job up uh, until uh, they brought me on board uh, there at the beginning of July. So it took a couple months. So that's how I got to Greenville, and that's how I got to Malda. I just did it on a wing and a prayer, and um, it worked out. Well, that is an incredible story. I, <laughs> you're right. I think a lot of people do that. I think it takes a special kind of someone to pick up like that and just go. I'm not sure I could do that. I'm not sure my wife would do that, but <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure you would. Yes. In a heartbeat. <laughs> you seem like the adventurous type. Yeah, I'm sure. I've heard people like, you know, they, they, they sell their house and they get the conversion van, right? They just go right. travel and right. work remotely or live off of YouTube money or something. Yeah, exactly. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.